Attack of the Final Girls is a podcast about the horror genre, so listener discretion is advised. Please check the show notes for specific content warnings for this episode, and of course, beware of spoilers. Hello, everyone, and happy holidays, merry festivus, whatever the hell you celebrate. <laughs> it's 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 your girls attack the final girls i'm Teresa, and i'm juliet and we are bringing all the holiday cheer to or you something. clearly <laughs> i don't know i was like i was like how do i open this as a christmas episode or as a holiday episode and then i i don't know I'd, like all of the holiday cheer went out <laughs> i i started and then i was like you know what i'm nah. not i'm not a big like holiday cheer person i mean you did a better job than i would because i am a notorious grinch so you know (laughs) now you know what grinches are fun too um i like looking at christmas lights does that i mean sure but that's just because they're twinkly and cool yeah well that's more of a like solstice thing yeah yeah exactly like the the whole like light and dark dichotomy situation like you know it's all pagan in the end people don't decorate their house like that most of the year so it's kind of cool to like see that like people actually giving a shit and putting effort into their homes but also like when did the entire month of december plus a week of november become christmas because i cannot even with it yeah no 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 it's it's too much it's, it's way too much it's like holiday worship versus like yeah actually you know being about capitalism whatever yeah whatever took me 0.3 seconds to get there (laughs) whatever holiday you celebrate whatever you know whatever religious aspect that you have that's cool and i appreciate that but to like kind of co-opt that and then turn it into this like monumental buying season when in reality like more often i see like black friday sales christmas sales yeah or people being like keep christ in christmas and i'm just like barf yeah barf yeah i like the time off sure appreciate that sure yeah (laughs) yeah there is that yeah and then new year's yay (laughs) (laughs) i mean in this case this comes out the week before christmas welcome to hell week everyone (laughs) have you done all your shopping have you baked all the things are you feeling stressed? It's okay. <laughs> Did you get all your presents wrapped? No, because you're going to do that late Christmas Eve or really early Christmas morning. Yeah. Because who does that shit ahead of time? We're going to throw <laughs> it all in gift bags that you've been hoarding for six years. Yeah. And the strings are falling off. <laughs> Not speaking from experience or anything. And you're just like... Uh, if you don't want that, I'll take it back. <laughs> that I mean, the, the bag, not the present. Although yeah. the present, too. I mean, whatever. Sure. And then, of course, you have to decide, what are we doing on Christmas Day? Whose family are we going to visit? Who's baking what? Do you have to be the one to host? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So, pro tip, this is what I've been doing. And honestly, it's so much better. And I'm using this platform to share it because I don't have any others. <laughs> And I don't care. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. That's right. I enjoy cooking. Don't get me wrong. I like to cook. I hate dirtying dishes, but I like to cook. Yeah. What I've been doing for the past three years since the pandemic is I order catering at a time. I mean. And I just eat that on Christmas Day. So like we did one of the local breweries had catering 
That was the first year that I did it on Christmas. So the day before they distributed, like you could buy meals ahead of time. And I did that. And then the following year I did catering again. And then I've just continued doing it since then. And as much as I love to cook, the ability to just heat a bunch of stuff up yeah, and then serve it and be like, wow, that was really good. And then not have 60 kajillion leftovers and a bunch of dirty dishes is friggin' awesome. <laughs> and and honestly, it makes everything more enjoyable because I'm not stressed out for the entire like two days before. Yeah. And the only thing that we've been doing is like baking cookies. And that is like thumbs up for nice. me. I don't mind cooking for the holidays, actually, because I just don't insert the stress into it. I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> It'll all turn out or yeah. it won't. And we'll laugh about it. Yeah. It's just a meal. There are no steaks. I am confident enough in my skills, not to brag, that it will be halfway decent. Yeah. <laughs> if not good. And if it's not, like I said, we'll just be like, well, that was hilarious that time. That didn't work <laughs> out. Whatever. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's funny because I insert so much stress and pressure in every other aspect <laughs> of my life. But this, I'm just like, meh. Well, I also don't have a big extended family. So that's the other thing yeah. is like. You know, my partner, his parents and sister will come over and that's about it. Yeah. That's about as far as it goes. I don't have so. a super big extended family. I, not anymore, especially. A couple of years ago, we got Cracker Barrel catering, which oh. was really good. And then we did that local brewery has a carvery. So it was like ribs. That was good. We did city barbecue one year. So pretty much anything that just like reduces that. And there's still some leftovers, but it's it's just like easy to just heat it up like maybe two hours before and then I don't have to worry about making anything we could just yeah. throw the like containers that it comes in away or recycle them and it's kind of nice I mean the ideal holiday situation for me is all like snack food <laughs> yes only charcuterie boards yeah like cheeses and cheese adjacent products and things that go with and on crackers yes that's what I want you want to graze I do want to graze. Uh, so I was watching Great British Bake Off the other day, and they called it a grazing board. And I was like, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. It's that a grazing is, board. I, I have heard this a couple of times. Now. Yes. I think it was that episode of Bake Off, actually, that I watched, too. Yeah. Yeah. A grazing, grazing board, board is better. That's the perfect name for it. <laughs> that Really, it is. Because <laughs> then you don't feel like you have to like sit and pound the whole thing. Yeah. Like you can graze over time. You can come back to it multiple times. You know, the cheese, when it gets like warm over time, it tastes a little different. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. You could even like amplify that into Christmas grazing board where you have like Maybe little sweet stuff, like little pieces of gingerbread or like... Oh, yeah. Add you know, some cranberries to that. Yeah, cranberries. You yeah. could definitely like kind of like tweak it a little bit. I mean, really, what is Christmas dinner without like taking only little bits of like all the sides? Oh, yeah. Well, you I know? mean, the sides are the best part of any meal, <laughs> truly. We're coming off of Thanksgiving and it's like, I am team side. <laughs> like maybe just have a sides grazing board. Yeah. Where it's just oh, like two a, a two two bites of like each of the Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fried. I'm just now I'm just like hungry of I know. <laughs> <laughs> and we have completely gone off the rails. Yeah, have we even gonna... said what movie we're doing? No, no we haven't. No. <laughs> we've been talking we've been getting there with our talk about how we have no Christmas cheer. We're getting you ramped up for the holidays, you see. And 
for the movies that you should and should not watch for the holiday season. And if It's a Wonderful Life is a part of your Christmas repertoire of movies that you have to watch, which it's not in mine. Actually, I know the story of It's a Wonderful Life. I've never seen it. I've never actually seen it. Okay. I only watched Miracle on 54th Street like three years ago. Whatever. (laughs) 54th, 34th, Times Square, you know, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Whatever street it is. I only watched that like three years ago. Okay. For the first time ever. Okay. So I had never seen it before then. I just like don't really watch Christmas movies. So. Yeah. Same. Unless they're funny. Like I'll watch Elf. I don't like Elf. Okay. That's fair. It's too cheery. Is it? <laughs> I was going to say, is it too cheery or is it Will Ferrell being too cheery? It's both. Okay. That's it's fair. It's both. It's just too much. The movie we are covering today is It's a Wonderful Knife. Yes. Which just came out this year. 2023 release. It had a brief theatrical run in mid-November, but debuted on Shudder on December 1st. So this is like new in the holiday horror genre, which is exciting. We've seen kind of a resurgence of holiday horror films over the past couple of years, and this is a, a new installment for this year. So my It's a Wonderful Life thing is that I have seen it. I recognize it as being a part of canon cinema, and I hate it. <laughs> oh, okay. I hate it so much that a friend and I, many years ago, hello, Joe G, if you're listening. Hi, Joe G. We wrote a script <laughs> about how much I hate it. It's a wonderful life. I hate it. I hate it so much. I Holy recognize shit. it as a great work. I hate the movie a lot. Okay, so here's my thing. I don't get down on sad movies. I just don't okay. watch yeah. sad movies. Like, I understand that there are movies out there that are sad, that are incredible. Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, sure, Pursuit of Happiness, all incredible movies, all like super highly lauded. I don't get down on sad movies. I don't like to be sad after I watch a movie. Sure. Like, happy sad is one thing, and I could do that, but I don't like to watch people suffer. I liked Miracle on 34th Street, actually. Yeah. I thought it was pretty clever. It's a Wonderful Life, though, is one of those movies that's like, it's going to bum me out. And uh-huh. I sit with those bummed out feelings for so long that I just have to avoid movies like that. So my problem with the movie and and like at its core, I do like that it's a movie made in like 1940 something mm-hmm. that is like straight up like, hey, capitalism is evil. Mm-hmm. But also I feel like the end of the movie and the takeaway that everybody has is just like, oh, it's warm and it's fuzzy and Zuzu and the bell and the angel and blah, blah, blah. And not like, yo, capitalism is evil, y'all. Yeah. Like it's just, it feels to me like we we take this ride on this movie. that's all about like, you know, these evils of like capitalism and gentrification and like displacing people from their homes. And then at the end, everyone's just like, oh, it's so sweet. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I don't. Yeah, I could. (laughs) Like I said, we wrote a whole script about how much I hate this movie. I just I can't with that movie. But I have to say, maybe and I put this in my notes, if they had made It's a Wonderful Life a slasher, with queer themes, maybe I would have liked it more. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It's like you take this whole ride and the takeaway is like, see, it's not so bad. Yeah. It could be worse. It could be a lot worse. Like, okay, so also the main theme of It's a Wonderful Life and later in this movie is suicide. Yes. Like saving somebody from 
taking their own life because they are so ruined by capitalism. Yep. And then the takeaway is like, see, it could have been worse. Yeah. If you took your life. Yeah. That's the end. Yeah. And like everything like, still kind of sucks, but not as much as it could have sucked. And like, that's on your shoulders. Yeah. If you weren't here, that's what would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great fuzzy, <laughs> warm and fuzzy message. At least not in my opinion. No, definitely not. Like I said, I don't do I don't do sad and I feel like that would just bum me out or I would just be like left squinting at the screen like, oh, I just want to watch Home Alone now. Yeah. I like Home Alone. Home Alone is on my list of acceptable holiday films. I, I know we've talked about this in years past. What about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? It's okay. I don't actively hate it. That's fair. I actively hate It's a Wonderful Life and Christmas Story. Okay. Uh, Have you seen A Christmas t- Story too many times? Is that why? No, I just, I never liked it. Oh, okay. This is another one of these films that as a kid, they showed it in school one time and everyone's like, it's hilarious. And I was just sitting there like, what in the hell is (laughs) that? Like, what are we watching? (laughs) Now, admittedly, I would like to rewatch it now with my appreciation for Black Christmas and knowing that Bob Clark made both movies. I'm kind of like more open to it now. But as a kid, I was just like, why? Yeah. Why? What? No, I don't. Nothing about this is funny to me or amusing or heartwarming to me. Yeah. I was a strange kid. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it way too many times. So that's why I don't like it. That's fair. But that's fair. But yeah, this one. So it's a wonderful knife. It's like kind of bookending this whole resurgence of Christmas horror movies. I think kind of starting with the reboot of or the remake of Black Christmas in 2019. Yes. And then we've kind of had like all these little horror movies and Little horror Christmas movies. Last year we had, what was the Grinch one called? I don't even remember. They couldn't even call it the Grinch. Right. I just remember Christmas Bloody Christmas. Okay. Which I enjoyed. That was, which one was the one with the robot Santa? Christmas Bloody Christmas was the robot Santa one. Which I believe was also a Shudder original that got a theatrical situation. Because we saw it in the theater. But it premiered on Shudder for the holidays. It seems to me that maybe Shudder is going to start doing this every year. Okay, like, that's fair. Like taking an indie film, aqu- an indie like horror Christmas movie, acquiring it, putting it in the theaters in November, and then putting it out on Shudder like December 1st. Because that's kind of what they did last year with Christmas Bloody Christmas. Fair. There was that Grinch thing. The I mean c- one. Yeah. It's called the mean, the mean one. one. Yeah. Which I, is how they referred to him the whole time because it couldn't say Yeah, the they couldn't say the Grinch. <laughs> I will say that this one was better than the mean one. Yeah. The mean one was kind of, it was low budget. So we'll forgive it for that. Yeah. But yeah, this one, it's a slasher take on the traditional It's a Wonderful Life story of somebody who wishes that they weren't there And then through some sort of metaphysical act, getting put into some sort of parallel timeline where they're not there. Yes. The twist on this one is it's after a terrible murder spree, basically committed by Justin Long with fake teeth. Um, (laughs) He's got like the Walton Goggin thing happening. Yeah. Where he's like whistling through his teeth a little bit. He's like his teeth are too big for his mouth. So he's like constantly putting his lips like... Like having to do weird stuff with his mouth to get him over his teeth. And then we like fast forward a year and that's when our main character Winnie is like, I wish I wasn't here because there's an aurora happening. 
She's like, I wish I wasn't here. So it's kind of, it's like a twist on the classic, uh, directed by Tyler McIntyre, written by Michael Kennedy. And then our main cast of characters are Winnie Carruthers, played by Jane Widdop, David Carruthers, played by Joel McHale, which it's kind of weird to see Joel McHale in, in like a really small movie like this. Yeah. Considering he has done gigantic things. Henry Waters, who's like kind of our main villain, played by Justin Long. Justin Long, who is getting by right now by just playing like total shitbags in, yeah. in all of his big it's movies. the only way I want him in movies now. And Bernie Simon, also known as Weirdo, played by Jess McLeod. And then we have Catherine Isabel, who plays queer auntie Gail Prescott. We could also mention Jimmy Carruthers, played by Aiden Howard. That's kind of our main cast of characters, yeah. though. That's who we've got in the movie. And that's also kind of the way that Shudder has been working lately, too, is like have one, two, three big name actors in smaller roles and then like really kind of elevate some other actors and actresses who maybe we haven't heard of before. Yeah, which I like. And Shudder in their originals, and I think this is the indie companies they work with, and this is very traditional in indie horror cinema, is alongside those few like big names, you have some kind of horror icons in either supporting roles or as cameos. You know, I was actually very pleased that Catherine Isabel's role was as big as it was because when I heard she was going to be in this movie, I figured that she would just have like the briefest cameo and get killed and, you know, do the Scream Queen cameo thing and be gone. But she's actually pretty important to the story of the movie. And we also see William B. Davis, uh, you know, William B. Cigarette Smoking Man Davis from the (laughs) X-Files in a little cameo role as well. So it's a nice nod to genre fans to have both of them in the movie. Yeah. I will say like as much as I... I'm kind of ambivalent to It's a Wonderful Life as a movie, but like, I get it. But I'm also just like, I'm not probably going to watch that. Yeah. At least initially, I was pleased with the fact that it wasn't just a ripoff of the name, like using the name as a, you know, just as a cool pun. Totally. I was pleased with that. I was like, oh, okay. Because like, the movie starts off with a murder, with like a series of murders. And we kind of get this setup that like, Henry Waters is taking over the town and he's kind of an evil villain because he's taking Joel McHale's character, Daddy Carruthers, away from his family on Christmas Eve. It's like, oh, we have to go get this guy to sign over his house and, you know, let us like demolish it so that we can build a big mega conglomerate shopping living area, whatever. So we're like, okay, this is a bad guy. We don't like him. He's clearly being a shithead. And then there is a series of murders. Winnie, our heroine, our main character, she ends up killing the murderer and we find out that it's Henry Waters. Yeah. And then we get the title card. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, one year later, here's kind of the fallout of what has happened in the past year since this terrible murder happened where Winnie loses her best friend and several of her other friends and she doesn't get in college, which she really wanted to. Her brother gets a truck, which that kind of throws her into a a tizzy. And she wishes that she wasn't there. And that's kind of like where everything starts. And I was really kind of thrown off because I was like, oh, this is where we're going with this. We're actually doing the whole transporting her to another time or to a parallel timeline, I guess. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't either. So I saw this before you. They did the short theatrical run in mid-November. You were out of town. Um, My partner and I went to see it in the theater. It just had like a one weekend run here. 
And it just debuted on Shutter. Like we're recording this on December 2nd. So it debuted on Shutter yesterday. But I suggested this one because we were trying to figure out what to do for the holidays. And I was like, well, it's brand new. Let's go ahead and do it. And I have to say that was like a very pleasant surprise for both of us in the theater is that I thought even when they did the one year later thing, like after the title card comes up, I thought, oh, now it's going to be the thing that the killer is back, but we killed the killer. So who, like very traditional, like slasher style, you mm-hmm. know, like the Scream franchise, you right. know, thrives on this format of like the killer's back, but we killed the killer. Who could the killer be this time? You know, I thought we were going to go straight up holiday slasher route, which would have been fine. Like, no lie, that would have been fine. But when they leaned into the It's a Wonderful Life thing, even though I don't like It's a Wonderful Life, I was like, all right, props to you all for like really taking this on and not just making it a clever pun of a name. Like, I appreciate the effort to do that in horror, especially because it's such a beloved film to really just say, okay, let's see how we can take this premise and put it into the horror genre. You know, the whole like one year later revenge thing is totally in this year because not only did they do that with this movie, they also did it with Thanksgiving. Yep. Which I would say like Thanksgiving definitely got a wider release than this movie did. Absolutely. Um, Yes. Although like It's a Wonderful Knife veers off very quickly into something that's totally not Thanksgiving, the whole one year later thing is like, it's pretty classic. I mean, it just so happens that they had several movies in a row that kind of use that same that mo like one year later let's see where the fallout is and like oh somebody's mad so yeah yeah that's where we're gonna go with it so (laughs) which is fine yeah somebody's not in the best state yeah right exactly i will also say that everybody is gay in this family yep yeah everybody's queer or gay like jimmy the the big quarterback brother guy um he's straight up gay yeah the uh, aunt played by Catherine isabel is gay and is married and then you get some like little indications that winnie might be queer too kind of early in the movie and then later like fully she's definitely at least bisexual yeah yeah maybe like you know that late end of high school kind of awareness of like oh, man, guys kind of suck. And (laughs) like, maybe I'll date a woman for a little while. And then, you know, being like, oh, okay, this is great. This is definitely a big, queer, gay as hell Christmas movie. Yeah. Christmas horror movie. Because we don't really get a lot of those. Like, I mean, there's some queer representation in a lot of movies now, but we didn't really get a lot of specifically out gay Christmas horror movies. That's a pretty small niche (laughs) of, of movies. You know, one of the things I actually really like about this movie, even though it's like nodding to something I don't like, is that I like how in the scenes where things are happy, like, and are supposed to be like this very happy Christmas, they really shoot it and style it to look like a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. And I I like that they did that because it is referencing something that's so like culturally familiar to all of us now whether you love it whether you hate it whatever but they're also like inserting horror into it and inserting queerness into it which has been one of like the big debates around the whole like hallmark lifetime uh whatever that other the freaking candace cameron one is that refuses to have queer people at all even as like the gay best friend Um, (laughs) i don't even know what that is yeah it was a whole thing for a hot minute she's got her own weird 
uh, anti-queer Hallmarky channel. Oh. Because well, at least I guess Hallmark will allegedly have like, you know. Gay best friend. Acknowledge that gay people exist. <laughs> you know, that queer people exist. Yeah. And that's apparently too much for the uh, the Camerons. But um, I have no idea what that even is, and I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, you should be. I read an article about it a while ago, and it seemed like not great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who is Candace Cameron? I don't even know who that is. DJ from Full House. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. She's a big shithead. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. knew about that. Sister like, to Kurt Cameron. I didn't know that they were siblings. Yes. Okay, yes. well, that makes also so, a big shithead. So much more sense. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. But I like that they basically took this, like, you know, hallmarky kind of like quintessential, like, you know, air quotes, like quintessential American, like, to be clear, like upper middle class, oh, yeah. white American, you know, capitalist driven Christmas scene and like queered it up a little bit. Like the first time we are in the interior of the Carruthers house, that's all done up like you know, like a Better Homes and Gardens Thanksgiving <laughs> magazine spread. The first thing we see is the rainbow ornament yeah. that the mom gives to her gay son. Yeah, which is hilarious. Like, well-meaning, like, quote-unquote supportive parents who are <laughs> yeah. like, what is the one thing that we can give our son to let him know that we're down with him being gay? A big rainbow ornament. And the kid is just like, Jimmy's just like, I roll. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that exchange where Winnie tells him, like, you're going to have to put this on the Christmas tree every year for as long as our parents are alive. Like, that was really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely very hallmarky there. Yeah. But everything's good at this point in the movie. You yeah. Know, like, we're like, uh, everybody's having fun. It's like cringy, eye rolly, you know, Christmas, of course, the classic way that it's going to go. And then all of the shitty stuff happens. Right. It's also kind of funny that Winnie is detached from the drama that's happening. So her best friend and her best friend's grandpa, the smoking man, are beset upon by Henry Waters, who is trying to get them to sell this house. And we also find out from Joel McHale's character, Daddy Carruthers, who is Henry Waters' best friend slash like right-hand man, that the family is in debt. And they're just going to, like, take their house anyways. Like, eventually somebody's going to come and take the house. So why not just let them buy them out? But Winnie is, like, two steps away from that. And I do think it's lacking in the movie that we never bring that back up. I agree. Like, yeah. even though Winnie has come back and she's kind of like, everything's good or whatever, her best friend is still dead. Yep. And the her best friend's grandpa is still dead. We never hear about that again. Yeah. Winnie's just like... Could be worse. Could everybody could be smoking crack? Yeah, which is literally the way that they make things worse. <laughs> which I thought was really weird. Like, so in the alt reality that when he goes to, she's transported to after she wishes that she wasn't there, and they're like, "See, this is what would have what it would have been like if you weren't here." Her brother is dead, yep. and then she goes to this party, this Christmas party at her friend's house, which she did in her previous life, and she found out that her boyfriend is cheating on her, and like. Everything is bad, whatever. So she goes to the all reality version of this, and there's a bunch of high school kids literally smoking crack. And I was like, so you get a serial killer, and what happens is that everybody starts smoking crack? So the context I read into that was, and it's kind of buried a little bit in the dialogue, is that because Henry Waters doesn't die, he is able to then create 
situations of kind of chaos within the town that allow him to like move in and like gentrify and and like shove out local business and so from what and and this is like a lot of reading into it admittedly like so like henry waters is shoving out all these local businesses for his mall and things like that and so increasingly families are getting economically disadvantaged and so i think it's kind of a commentary on like you know when you have communities that are stripped of their businesses and their livelihoods, people then become desperate, you know, desperation sets in and communities start to turn to things like, you know, drugs and addiction and things like that to cope with, you know, this sort of upend of their lives and their livelihoods. That's a lot, I realize, and the clues are kind of buried within the dialogue, but that's, I think, how they got there. But it is kind of like a a bit of a shock when you're like, oh, hey, all right, these kids are okay. Especially because like, and I'm sure you're right, like that's what they wanted. It's kind of ham-handed. It is. Because the house is still like really, really nice. Yeah. And like the... (laughs) They have like this town center that's really beautiful with like their big Christmas tree and there's like unhoused people and like trash barrels with with fire in them and stuff for them to keep warm around. And I was like, I see what you're getting at, but also that's not how it works. You yeah. know, like it, it doesn't it's not just like, OK, well, it's been a year and now there's like unhoused people that like live in the middle of the center of town. It's definitely taking it to an extreme. Yeah. And also like the house with the. The kids smoking crack inside is like decorated still. Yeah. Like it still has like legit good Christmas lights <laughs> on the outside. And I yeah. was like, yeah, crack dens definitely, definitely have Christmas lights. Like, right. I mean, not to like generalize places where people buy drugs because there's all sorts. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of like startling where you're like, okay, so they're not cheery like multicolored Christmas lights. They're like blue and white, <laughs> which they like totally like that all of the color is removed in this parallel universe except for Winnie's coat. Yeah. Like everything is blue and white. They definitely put a filter on for parts of it, but in that particular instance I was like, I don't really think that we would see a decorated house where like teenage kids are having a party and also smoking crack. Right. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. It'd probably be a situation where they like broke into a house yes. or something. Obviously, I'm generalizing and really going off on the rails on this, but that was like really a very striking, weird thing to me. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. But it was realistically awkward Christmas parties in both the previous time and also the parallel time. Yes. Awkward Christmas parties, awkward high school parties in general where everybody's drinking and making out and you're just like, cool, I guess I'll just stand here. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Bernie, highly relatable in that situation <laughs> where she's like, well, I'm here. Yeah. It's gonna be over here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I definitely related to her a lot in that because yeah. Unless there's, we're like doing something or watching something, the, the like stand around situation is very weird for me. Oh, I completely agree. I yeah. don't know how to handle it. Yeah, like generalized parties are just awkward. Unless I'm like sitting and eating or doing something, I'm just like, why am I here? Yeah. I don't know. I think I like my attention span is just very small. <laughs> and I don't know how to like shoot the shit with people. I just yeah. don't. 
I don't have that gene. There, I have friends who are very gifted at that, like gab, and just like able to do that. And I am one hundred percent not. And I'm just like, I'll just like drink three gallons of water while you, <laughs> while you stand there and talk. That I mean, that's what I do. Like if I'm feeling awkward, I will just drink, yeah, just constantly, yeah. And then I'm like, well, now I have to pee. So <laughs> that was good. So when you're like, oh, I hope that this house has a pet. Yes, exactly. Or like a book I can read or yeah. a place where I can hide or maybe I'll just stay for only 15 minutes and then leave immediately yeah. afterwards. Like, is there a room where somebody's at least like playing video games or has a movie on? <laughs> yeah. Like if I can watch something, then I don't feel so weird. Yeah. Recently, I went to this like annual Christmas party that happens at the place I used to work. It's always the day before Thanksgiving, that Wednesday. And they go to this local bar and everybody goes. It's not really a sanctioned company holiday, but I just went to like see some people I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. And a friend of mine that I still keep in touch with was there. And he's the one that like he can bullshit for hours. Like they, he can just chat at you and not say anything. I, on the other hand, like I need to have focused discussion. Yeah. <laughs> I can't just be like, how's it going? And then like, remember all the things I need to ask about? Like, how's your wife? How's your kids? I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I'm not good at it. And I also just don't care <laughs> for the most part. Like, I'm just not even going to ask. So I just like played wingman to him, like, and just <laughs> listened to him kind of talk to other people. And I was like, okay, but I can't participate in it. I'm just like yeah. sipping my water, like, cool yeah like, good to I, see you too I, i'm always like having to fight the urge like have any of you read this very obscure horror adjacent book that i'm currently reading it's great let me tell you about it or like this weird smutty novel. <laughs> have you read ice planet barbarians <laughs> let's talk about it or like ask them some weird and like really specific like potentially uncomfortable question yeah. Like, at what age did you realize that you were going to die? And then, <laughs> and then, like, you know, uh, then they like their eyes get big and they're like, cool. We were just talking about like going on vacation, but that's cool. <laughs> AKA, don't invite me to your parties. <laughs> I would rather stay at home because I don't know how to social, unless it's with people like that I'm really close to. Yeah. In which case, like, we all kind of know our party. The way that we handle parties. Yeah. So we don't expect people to just like stand around. Typically, we like we'll put a movie on so that people who want a movie can do that. Or we'll play those Jackbox games on the PlayStation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's like the structured, <laughs> the structured time that I need. These parties in this movie are not like that. No, it's anarchy. No, people just like making out. It's like no wonder people are freaking making out on your couch. It's because they don't have shit else to do. Yeah. And they're drunk. Where so. are the activities? Yeah. And of course, they're teenagers, so their raging hormones are going to make them like latch onto whoever's clothes. So making out is the activity, apparently. Exactly. I need some like board games. Where's the board game station? Yeah. Where are the grazing boards? Yes. I would like to know. <laughs> this party looks awful. <laughs> That's just me. I mean, both parties, like both parallel party and the prior party look like terrible parties. Yeah. But Bernie's just trying to be out there, you know, and social. Yeah. She's like, I'm getting out of the house. I'm getting my 15 minutes of prescribed social time. Yeah. At the crack party. Yep. It's fine. <laughs> she's not partaking. No, she's not. She's being responsible. Yeah. Either time. I don't know. I think she has a drink in one of them, but like, who knows what I that is. I think in the 
first one. She's holding a cup. But who knows what's in that? Exactly. That's the thing about red solo cups. You don't know what's in that shit. Yeah. Could be water. Could, could be. be could be soda. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's really getting wild <laughs> with a Pepsi. Or Coke, whatever, you know, whatever you want. I will say that there are multiple times when in the movie I was like, man, that's a really cool lighting situation. Absolutely. Of course, the warm, glowy thing, the like Hallmark style, like that's always kind of cool and comforting. But the parallel party where all the kids are smoking crack, like the lights outside and this kind of strobing effect that they do when they kill the neighbor Pete Uh um, outside was really cool. Although I was like, why does he have like concert grade strobes outside (laughs) that seems weird but whatever maybe a boy has been throwing concerts on the side it's possible it's like on a deck area so maybe but i thought that was really cool and then there's a part where they're in the theater kind of towards the end when winnie and her ex slash parallel boyfriend and her friend darla i can't remember the guy's name jake darla robbie robbie but when the killer is chasing them through the theater and she's using the camera flash to kind of light her way i thought that was pretty cool too yeah and just the stuff they did in the movie theater in general i mean number one you'll love to see it like an old like old school style movie theater in a movie that just tugs at my my heartstrings but even the effect where winnie and bernie are sitting in the theater and you've got like the glow of the screen lighting them Mm -hmm. was really really well done you know sometimes that can seem a little cheesy Mm -hmm. or like the lighting effect doesn't feel right for a movie theater but it felt like really comfortable and really nice i have a note in fact about how much i liked the lighting and they really used the opportunities presented by both like it being a holiday film and some of the settings to like make some beautiful lighting choices yeah i was really pleased with that i mean for as much as the story kind of lost me about two-thirds of the way in and not to say that i was totally out of the movie but i was like definitely squinting at the screen a little bit like what the direction the um photography choices i did like those things yeah i thought that they did a good job like places where they had effects or fake blood i did not think took me out of the movie i wasn't like wow this is obviously like fake or like you know assisted in some way yeah I didn't feel like that throughout the movie, which I will say in other Christmas horror movies, that is a place where they definitely don't spend enough money or attention and it can really take you out of it. So I will say that that part I was pretty pleased with. What lost me in the film is about two thirds of the way through, you know, Winnie is kind of operating under the assumption that even in this parallel timeline, the killer is the same. Right. And that all of the things that are happening now are because she didn't kill Henry Waters in this like parallel timeline. And then we find out that no, it's not Henry Waters this time or not only Henry Waters. Right. It is other people, including her dad and potentially others. I think that was a little muddy that like maybe they were making other people do it. I think it was implied that Buck, the sheriff, was also at least covering oh he's definitely covering but i i think it was involved implied that he would also have to be killing people right and that way like there's more coverage it's like less you know in terms of an alibi which is always a thing in slasher movies like this like well who had an alibi who was in the house you know right like it was kind of a twist and then we pushed it even further though where like later 
Henry is like maybe potentially actually an angel and he has these people under mind control somehow. Yeah, that part gets a little vague. Yeah. It was weird because like that is not a thing in It's a Wonderful Life. Like no. there's no weird mind control situations. No. And the other thing that I never I wish they had had it would have taken maybe one more line of dialogue to explain it. Gail believes Winnie. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes some convincing at first, but she ultimately believes and trusts her. And I wish we understood a little more about why. You know, I, I have in my notes, I was like, is it just like queer auntie powers that <laughs> like enable her to sort of see the truth of this? Like one line could mm-hmm. have done it. And I just wish that that had been in there because. She proves to be, like, a great ally in mm-hmm. this, but I just wish we knew a little more about, like, what switched her to trusting yeah. Winnie. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was that was a bit of a stretch where yeah. we're like, okay, cool, she's down with everything just because Winnie was able to, like, name off a random fact about her, about, like, her ass getting frozen to the ground for some reason. Yeah. Because she's wearing a weird thong. There were some parts where you, like, have to make this big leap and yes. you're like... Okay. All right. Like, don't know if we quite got there, but I guess we'll just keep going for the sake of this movie. Yeah. And I think that the story bogged itself down. Mm-hmm. Like, we ended up getting a little bit too complicated. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to, you know, like, model yourself after It's a Wonderful Life and do the whole, like, okay, she's able to see what the town would be like if she wasn't there and all this stuff, which is fine. You have to suspend your disbelief because obviously, like, It's a Wonderful Life is operating off of an angel. Yes. You know? So you're like, <laughs> okay, cool. different circumstance. Like, it's, you know, the Christmas magic or whatever. So, okay, cool. We get to that point. We can suspend our disbelief because we're doing that already in this yeah. movie that it's modeling itself after. But then while we get to the end where it's like, he has people under mind control, like, potentially also Daddy Carruthers is, like, under mind control. Yeah. And being controlled, like, they were saying, like, the death of Jimmy, which was Henry Waters, broke David Carruthers. But this guy's also supposed to be his best friend. Yeah. And and he's also committing murders. But does he or does he not know that Henry Waters is the one who killed his kid? Because if he did, do you think he would still be doing this? Yeah, that part is confusing to me. One of the things I both like about this movie and wish they had done more with is the way that they play with the idea of grief Mm -hmm. like i really actually like in the beginning winnie's kind of exasperation and everything going back to normal one year later you know you have this family that's kind of trying to just move on and she's like yo i'm i'm still in it like i'm still hurting here like I went through this trauma, my friend and her grandpa who are part of their family are gone. And also like, I did this thing and I'm not feeling right about it. Like, I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, They kind of get there with the father too, or they try to, but I, that part was never fully fleshed out. It's like, you get hints in this movie of like grief and grief around the holidays and like the ways it messes with you but they never fully realize it and and the part with the father is so complicated yeah and i wish that that had been a little clearer because we get hints of just like how damaged he is by the death of his son 
But because there are these like confusing things about his relationship with Henry Waters, it's like we never get to kind of fully experience that. Yeah, I was a little disappointed by that. Yeah. Like grief hinges so heavy in parts of this movie, but either they don't go the whole way through it or they're like, see, it's important right here. And then literally never talk about it ever again. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, that feels weird, like stunted. You know, a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. The way that we handled grief, they use it as like a touch point, but then they never like fully, fully resolve it in a way that's believable. Yeah. Where like, okay, so here's the other thing I thought. So they're saying when they're in the movie theater, when he's like, okay, the death of my brother broke my dad and allowed him to be controlled by this Henry Waters dude. But he doesn't have the blue glowy eyes. So we're like, is this like a real life control or is this like a mind control like the other people? So was Henry Waters able to do that with the other people because he stole their livelihood? And so they're like able or susceptible to the mind control because they're also grieving. Right. But that is totally a stretch. Like, yeah. Ab- it, yeah. It's not implicit right. in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So like maybe we could read into it like that, but also... Maybe just Henry is like some sort of supernatural being. Like he's the angel somehow. Maybe. Well, I mean, his wife says like he's an angel. Yeah. But also a weird part is like when we're getting to that climax, when we're getting to the conclusion, Henry's telling people whether or not they're naughty or nice, which I thought was very strange because Santa has come into this movie. Not at all. Yeah. Through the rest which of I it. Which I kind of appreciate. That, that's fair. Yeah. Um, But they or like Christmas in general, like they're really just there together kind of Uh consequentially because it's Christmas, not so much like the Christmas spirit, you know, I think that's why I liked this movie better than some of the others. That's fair. That's killer Santas are played out. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) What about killer robot Santas? though? (laughs) (laughs) But when Winnie and Bernie are like beating the shit out of Henry Waters, why don't his bodyguards jump in? Even though he's like, wait, I can handle this. Like, yeah, they're literally beating him to death. Nobody does shit. Uh-huh. And then all like as he dies, all of the people kind of the like the blue falls out of their eyes and they're like, OK, cool. Now we're going to like, you know, attack this guy. That was very confusing. It was very confusing. The shot itself is like. An homage to many, many zombie films, Mm -hmm. uh, in particular, the road scene at the end of Day of the Dead, which was great. Like, you love to see it. But the whole conceit behind it. Yeah. The blue eyes thing was very confusing. I know. I was like, okay, so we're like doing some sort of like weird mind control because they are mind controlled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like standing there. They're not moving. They have like this weird blue glow. And then after that, like, we just don't talk about that again. Right. Which is strange. Yeah. The one thing that bummed me out about this is that really the only thing that made a difference, and it's kind of like this in It's a Wonderful Life too. In It's a Wonderful Life, like one thing that people are really upset about and like really has affected the town is that Harry died. Yeah. The brother, like he he wasn't able to go be like a big World War II like vet hero and like couldn't save people. (laughs) You know, he, he died because... George, like, was he choking or something or drowning? He was drowning. He right. fell through the ice on the pond. Right. 
And in the alternate reality, if George hadn't lived, he wouldn't have been there to save him. Right. Okay. So he couldn't have been like this big World War II hero. So in this one, it's Jimmy, who's kind of in that same role, Winnie's brother, because Jimmy is dead. His dad is susceptible to all this shit that Henry's doing. And then we go from there. But it kind of bummed me out where I was like, wow, they really put a lot because in the real in the reality, one of the reasons why Winnie was so upset is because Jimmy gets a truck for Christmas, even though it's like, quote unquote, both of theirs. Like, what the hell does she need with a giant lifted F-250? Like, (laughs) she's not going to use that. No, it's little Winnie. She probably needs a bicycle. Like, she looks like she would be biking around. But he gets a truck and she gets a tracksuit, a weird pink tracksuit. Which luckily she didn't have to wear the whole time in the alternate reality. Yeah, thank goodness. I was just like, this is weird. Like, all of this bad stuff is happening because Jimmy died? Yeah. Like, that's why David or Daddy Carruthers, I can't remember if his first name is David. So I'm just going to call him Daddy Carruthers still. That works. Is that why? Like, all this stuff hinges on Jimmy dying? Like, it just kind of underscores the, like difference in the way that the two of them are treated and that bummed me out yeah i completely agree because even when she came back like it's still all fucked up yeah it's just like well he's still the golden child that still doesn't make me feel good yeah but i think the one the one hint that we get is at the beginning about the fallout from that is at the party at the very beginning they're talking about how winnie is applying to nyu she wants to go to New York, be a photographer, and they're talking about Jimmy and football and how he's a great player. And he says, yeah, well, but Winnie's going to go off to New York and do these wonderful things. And after graduation, I'm probably going to end up coaching peewee football. Oh, yeah. So fair. you kind of see like the veneer, like Jimmy's veneer. It's kind of that small town versus big town thing. You know, like he might be a small town hero, but ultimately... We kind of know from the very start that like Winnie is going to have a trajectory beyond this tiny community. Even if it's not at NYU. Even if it's not at NYU. Because she didn't get into NYU. Right. But uh, Bernie is going to New York. So maybe they're going to U-Haul it up and (laughs) oh yeah, go to New York. They're definitely destined for a U-Haul trip to. (laughs) Yeah. That is the other thing that really bugged me about the end is that like just like in It's a Wonderful Life, it ends up being a story about suicide. But we don't find that out until it's really late in the game. Yeah. So it kind of like pulls the punch a little bit. Like if we had seen times, because the people in this town treat Bernie terribly. They call her weirdo. Yeah. Like everybody calls her weirdo. But about two thirds of the way into the movie and where it kind of lost me, Bernie's like, oh yeah, no, this was going to be my last Christmas. Yeah. And you're like, what? Wait a second. Hang on. What? It's So she's like, no, you're the angel. I'm not your angel. Yeah. You're my angel. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then magically, when Winnie gets back to her reality after murdering Henry Waters, which is what they thought they needed to do in the first place, yep. Bernie knows all of the things that have happened. And it's just like, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. We still don't find out exactly what's going on with bernie's mom either but yeah it seems like bernie's mom is just absent she it's like a uh like a foil just so that bernie could punch henry waters and like there's a reason for it yeah because outside of that 
there is no reason. Yeah. There is no reason for her mom to have a story at all whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. So that part lost me a little bit where I was like, oh, okay, Bernie like knows everything that happened. She knows that her girlfriend has murdered now two separate men, <laughs> um, which like they deserved it. Like obviously yeah. she was trying to help. But um, yeah, it just it got like about two thirds of the way through the movie it got like real muddied. I feel like there was a message in there. But it got way watered down with like a lot of weird stuff. And I think that that's why people kind of lost it. Yeah. They lost the thread of what we were supposed to be taking from the movie. I know I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fair. There were parts that were really good and and like good takeaways. And at its core, I was with it. But the ending lost me. Yeah. That's totally fair. Having said all that. We don't really get Oscar worthy movies out of Christmas horror movies. No. Most of the time. So even though I kind of, you know, like jumped on it a little bit at the end, it's still worth watching. It is. Yeah. And it's one that to me is fun enough that I don't mind like adding it to like a rotation of holiday horror movies. And what I like about it is even though the story gets really muddy and turns into a bit of a mess at the end, they tried to tell a story the whole time because Mm -hmm. as we were saying when we got done watching it, The thing that tends to irritate me a little bit about holiday-themed slashers in particular is sometimes – and this happens with all slashers, but in particular it stands out with the holiday-themed ones. They set up the premise and then about a quarter to a halfway through the film, it's just anarchy. Yeah. And it's just themed kills the whole time and there's no story like propelling, you know, kill to kill or there's no – quest for the character beyond survival or anything like that and the worst of those just turns into kind of a hot mess you know where it's just like red and green themed you know i said santa killers are played out you know someone in a santa suit chasing someone red and green anarchy kill 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 and again like that's a movie that's an experience but i like it when there is a conscious effort to have a story propelling us forward and i appreciated that flawed as it was about this movie that there really was a story at its core trying to move the thing forward and there was a bit of a mystery to unravel and and something that our character we and our character were moving toward or mm-hmm. trying to get to rather than just anarchy (laughs) that's fair yeah that's fair yeah so i would say um definitely see it at least once um it's streaming right now on shutter so it's perfect time to go and watch it and maybe you'll add it into your christmas horror movie holiday plans i mean let us never forget that silent night deadly night and silent night deadly night two barely make sense (laughs) but they're iconic that's you know (laughs) very true very true Cool. So next time we are doing our favorites, our year end roll up like we do. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Have no clue how that'll manifest or what order, if any, you'll get them in. How we'll break that down. (laughs) Dude, I don't even remember what movies I have even watched this year. I've started to keep a list only so I can do this. I got a letterboxed and I am terrible at keeping track of stuff. Well, I'll tell you the only reason I keep track of them is because my partner keeps track of them for his blog. That's (laughs) right. I just I just cheat off of his list. (laughs) I'll have to peek through that. I but I can send it to you. I also need to like get with the letterbox thing. I think that will help. 
yeah. I just am terrible at it. Yeah. Well, you'll get them in some way, shape, or form. We'll talk about our favorites. We kind of do it differently every year, kind of depending on what our overlaps are on our lists and, and all of that. But that'll be on New Year's Day. Woo! Woohoo! Happy 2024. Thanks for listening to Attack of the Final Girls. Find us online at attackofthefinalgirls.com. And hear bonus episodes at patreon.com slash attackofthefinalgirls. We're Attack of the Final Girls on Instagram and TikTok. Our theme music is by House Ghost and is available on Rad Girlfriend Records. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss an episode and rate and review on Apple Podcasts so more people can find the show. I'm Juliet. And I'm Teresa. Until next time, stay scary. Stay scary.